This is the Steelers Standard on Steelers Nation Radio and Podcast on Steelers.com. For the first time in 31 years, the Cincinnati Bengals have won three straight games against the Pittsburgh Steelers. Jacob, let me ask you something, Tom. Jacob. Let me ask you something. To ask me. Are you 31 years old? Nope. Are you? That's nope. Ex- that's exactly what I was just going to say. Jacob, we both have not been alive the last time the Bengals Beyond won three straight our games. It's ridiculous. By like a good five or six years. For me, yeah. <laughs> Insanity that the Steelers have dominated this series as much as they had over the past three decades. But unfortunately, it looks like the tide might be turning in the opposite direction. Jacob Reck, Tom Opperman with you here. Breaking things down after a really tough Steelers loss to the Cincinnati Bengals. 41-10, to the final score at Paul Brown Stadium in it's a dark day. I mean, I don't I don't want to sugarcoat it or pretend anything else like we we came in here and sat down and we were like this sucks. This really does. Not not just because, you know, the home team got our, our team got blown out, but because of what it means for the rest of the season and kind of where it puts you now entering week 13, only 6 weeks left to go, 6 games left on the schedule, and there's a lot of ground that you got to make up now. This was a big swing game. We said it all week leading into it, and now that we're on the other side of it, Man, does that loss hurt extra bad. I mean, 41 to 10 always stings, but when it yields the results that it does for these next couple of games, next stretch run for the Steelers, it's it's dire. It's looking pretty dire. We had talked about other teams early on in the season, not super early, but in recent weeks, saying this is a back-up-against-the-wall kind of game for them, and they won it. And it made you impressed with those teams, such as the Vikings or such as the Niners, Ironically, they played each other this Sunday. And this was a back-up-against-your-wall kind of game for the Steelers. And the way they lost and the fact that they just lost it in general really makes you think that it's just not going to happen this year, Tom. Well, they already had won a back-against-their-wall kind of game before when they went into Cleveland and made it just an ugly football game and won 15-10. to But I know that those Brownies absolutely dominated the Bengals earlier this year, but I got news for you guys listening out there. The Bengals are a better team than the Browns this year, at least this year. The record proves it. And I know that people are going to say, well, that's impossible because the Browns just destroyed the Bengals. I get that. And I think the Browns have talent and can beat good teams every once in a while, but the Bengals are a young team that are going to have ups and downs, but they're ups. Man, are they really up. And they look like a, a true AFC contender when they're on their upswing. Do I think they'll get there? Nah. Because, again, too young, too inconsistent. The playoffs are a whole different animal. We'll see how they handle that couple weeks leading into the playoffs when they need to clinch their spot. And we'll see if they do clinch that spot, how they handle a playoff game. But... Man, this is a team on the rise, and honestly, Steelers fans, I know it feels like uh, I can't even describe it, being swept at the hands of this team for the first time in forever. First time in 31 years you've lost three straight to them. But this is a good football team in Cincinnati, like a really good football team. So if you go to their house and kind of sleepwalk your way through the game, which i got to be honest, Steelers, you kind of did that on Sunday. That's honestly the result you're going to get. I mean, you're playing a team 
that has three really good receivers, one of them being great already. Sure. You've got one of the best young quarterbacks in football, and I think Joe Mixon is firmly establishing himself this year as a top-five running back in the NFL. You can't sleepwalk through a game like that and expect to stay close in the football game. And, and you saw exactly what happens if you don't show up against a team as good as the Bengals can be. It seemed like the Steelers, their strategy was similar to what we predicted. It was, yeah, I know we lost earlier in the year to them, but I think right now we're a better team then than we were at that point. And these are the Bengals. These are the Bungles. We, we should never be intimidated by this team. We are always going to be the bigger brother to their little brother in that relationship. And I don't know if they actually made a plan to win the game. I think they just went in. It seemed like they went in with just this unearned confidence saying, we're going to win this game. It doesn't matter how it happens, but we'll, we'll, we'll end up winning this game. And you were totally blindsided by the preparation that Zach Taylor had imposed on his team and and the pose of Joe Burrow, and it just added up to a, a kind of coming to terms of, of where you're at as a franchise right now in 2021. I thought the Steelers would have a lot more success uh, with T.J. Watt being back in the lineup. He was obviously missing the first time these two teams played back in Week 3. Uh, Minka came back from COVID. I thought that he would have a, a big impact on the game defensively. Um, it wasn't the passing defense, though. That was the problem at all. And that's where I kind of want to you know, sink my teeth into first is the Steelers are one of the worst teams in the NFL at stopping the run, especially over the past couple of weeks. And you look at these numbers, Joe Mixon, 29 carries, 165 yards. I mean, he almost had that all by the end of the first half. He was just running wild in that first half. He didn't even play, I don't think, in the fourth quarter because the game was so out of hand. Uh, Evans had five carries for 23 yards. That was the only other significant contributor there. Burrow, of course, had the eight-yard touchdown run to open up the scoring in the football game. But for the second week in a row and for only the second time in Joe Burrow's career, the Bengals outrushed their own passing yardage. They ran for a total of 198 yards on 38 carries. Burrow only passed the ball 24 times to the tune of 160. 190 yards through the air so eight more rushing yards than they had passing yards with Joe Burrow so Bengals are starting to find that identity right now and that is through Joe Mixon and Joe Mixon is really uh, paying dividends on that decision to use him as the focal point for the offense but man you just got blown off the ball all game long to the point where they were looking for answers so desperately they started to put Cam Hayward at the nose tackle because that was the biggest problem was the fact that you were getting gashed on the ground and there was just no solution to stop it so I don't know what you do moving forward I know I think it was Jerry Dulac in the post-game press conference asked Mike Tomlin you know for both sides of the ball on the O-line and the D-line are we going to see some changes because it's been below the line the past couple weeks on both sides and Tomlin you know not one to tip his hand ever did did say kind of like what can what do you what do you think like you think you can expect some changes so I think we'll see some things you know toyed with as we work our way through practice this week and head towards Baltimore on Sunday at Heinz Field but that defensive line and that defensive uh run game is just abysmal right now and Honestly, you can't win any games in the NFL if you just get run over like that. It, it, it makes life way too easy for, for any offense, especially an offense 
with as good of a quarterback as Burrow and a good trio of wide receivers like the Bengals have. If, if you can't stop the run, ain't no way in hell you're going to be able to stop the pass. <laughs> Burrow is 20 for 24. <laughs> I know in the past two years, the Steelers have been the one team to really do a good job of containing Lamar Jackson. This is not the I'm same, nervous. This is not the same run defense. I'm nervous next I mean, week. we talked about how good of a job the Steelers do at containing Lamar Jackson, but last year they allowed, what, 287-some yes. yards, 86 yards on the ground allowed to them in, in the, the first game when they went ahead to head because in the second time it was it was the seed team for Baltimore. But Well, the good news is Gus Edwards won't be there, who absolutely dominates was, the Steelers. It was the Steelers' daddy as of the last couple of years. But still, I mean, I expect Lamar Jackson – Oh, to run wild, brother! All over. Yeah. There. I mean, Plan A, run the for Baltimore. Plan A, run the ball. Plan B, run the ball. Plan C, run. I the wouldn't ball. be surprised if uh, the one of the backs, Fre- uh, Freeman or Latavius Murray, have one of their best games since becoming a Raven too. Just that's the state of the Steelers' defense right now, folks. Like you wanted to say that the Chargers were the worst rush defense in the NFL, and statistically, you would have been right a couple weeks ago when the Steelers faced them, but. Honestly, just looking at the past three weeks, starting with the Lions game, then the Chargers game when Herbert went crazy on them, and then yesterday against the Bengals, those three games in a vacuum, I don't know if you can find me a worse run defense than the Steelers. I, re- no, I really don't. You couldn't. And, and against teams that aren't necessarily the best at running the ball. That's That's got to factor into it, the fact that— The Chargers especially, like— and you saw it when Herbert was their leading rusher, you know? It wasn't even like Eckler was getting the most of the damage done, so... In Detroit, it wasn't just DeAndre Swift, it was Iquibuque, it was Jamar Jefferson, and then last night you saw exactly what just an individual and Joe Mixon was able to do. Yeah, when you see a, a thoroughbred go up against you, you saw it, how, go, it goes real it south be. fast, yeah. How bad it can be, and guess what? Lamar Jackson isn't just a thoroughbred, he's the best in show, right? I like that. Oh, well done. You. Nice turn of phrase there. Thank you. But, I mean, no one's better at rushing, regardless of position, no one's better at rushing the ball than Lamar Jackson has been for the past two years. Oh, and that guy's pretty good at throwing the football, too, as well, right. even though last night. Last night, I mean, woof. we saw some bad Wo- plays oh, from Lamar. Oof. Yeah. If you don't win that game if you're the Browns, what the hell are you doing? But, yeah, it's a scary prospect for Lamar Jackson coming into Heinz Field next week. Um The problem here is it kind of feels like grasping for straws because what do you do to fix it? Because you're not going to get any healthier from this week to next week on that defensive line. I mean, TJ, will he feel better than he did this week? Again, I don't think TJ was 100% out there yesterday. Yeah, he'll be be back to his normal self probably, but TJ doesn't really stop the run. I mean, not that he can't. It's just that that's not really what his MO is. He's a He's a sacker. He he gets after the quarterback. So uh, a healthier T.J. Watt's not really going to fix much. I mean, is it staying in your gap? Is it gap discipline? I mean, I, I don't know because I, it seems like I, it would be hard for me to believe that they were out of their gaps and out of their assignments all day long yesterday against the Bengals. To me, it has to be that you were just getting beat by the guys opposite of you, that the offensive line was just blowing you right off the ball. So... I don't know if this is a problem that can be fixed, Steelers Nation, just because the injuries at that defensive line spot have mounted up so significantly that, you know, those Jimmys and Joes that are out there playing with Cam Hayward, mm-hmm. they're not going to cut the mustard after, you know, five weeks, six weeks, seven weeks of being starters. You know, they're going to start to wear down physically. 
and the other teams are going to just get more and more and more film on them and know how to attack the Steelers' front. And again, I, I, I find it hard to believe that anything is going to get fixed dramatically. Now, can you kind of stop the bleeding and maybe not give up a crazy, like 150 yards in a half of football? Yeah, I think you can be a little bit better than that. But as far as, you know, being the, we're only going to give up like 80 yards on the ground in this game and they're not going to get anything going on the ground, I, I, I think the Nick Chubb-Cleveland game might have been the last time you see the Steelers perform that way on defense all year. Yeah, think about what could happen if the Steelers had to go up against Derrick Henry and the Titans in a couple weeks. Well, thank God that that's not the case. No, and you saw an adjustment made, a change being made in-game with Cam playing the majority of the stats as the nose tackle. But still, as to your point, Tom, it w- it's not enough. I mean, you're asking this guy who is the best defensive lineman in football right now in 2021 and this year. Overall, Aaron Donald probably takes that, but right now, it's Cam, this Cam year. Hayward's having the better year. But you're asking him to switch to a different position just because you're so thinly stretched on your entire defensive line and the guys that you have are so incapable of making plays at the nose tackle that you're just saying your best option is to put Cam in that position to see if he can help you there. And that's what I hate. I hate when you have to take all-world type of players and put them in their non-comfortable uh, positions just right. because you, you need their help. And, yeah, Cam can do it. But, I mean, again, I, I want Cam to play where Cam's comfortable because that's where Cam does the most damage. Unfortunately, injuries do not allow that to be the case this year. And you can get by – with some significant players out for a week, for two weeks, for even a month of football, you sure. can scrape by. But it's that residual effect of constantly having to trot out there with your third and fourth stringers that, that it's just going to catch up with you. And I think we saw it kind of the levy break in the Detroit game, and the water's just been gushing through ever since then. And and again, I, I, I think it's too late to seal that off. You You can try to contain it as much as you can, but you need to kind of adjust your defense knowing we're probably going to get run over a, a decent amount. So I don't, do you stack the box a lot more and force teams to pass the ball on you? Well, the bad news about that is is that about every quarterback saved from Baker Mayfield that the Steelers are going to, and maybe Ryan Tannehill, that the Steelers are going to face from here on out has the capability of beating you through the air as well as um, using his team's running game to, to beat you. So you're kind of stuck between a rock and a hard place right now, you know? Which, I mean, which, which do you address first? You're not, you're, not, you're not facing off against the Geno Smith where you can just put eight guys in the box and play press man coverage on all the, the receivers and say, beat us, Geno Smith. So I don't want to stack the box to stop Daryl Williams in Arrowhead Stadium and tell Patrick Mahomes he's only got four DBs that he has to beat. So, again... You're really stuck here if you're the Steelers. The The opponents you have coming up doesn't allow you to completely sell out to stop the run, but you're kind of forced to try to completely sell out to stop the run or else you're you're going to be completely run over every single week. And we've seen that the last three weeks. Through the air and through the ground, we've seen these teams really not so. I guess the Detroit Lions game was more so on the ground, but you saw Justin Herbert throw the ball like wild, the Mike Williams touchdown at the end of the game. You saw Joe Burrow throw the ball over the field, not just to Jamar Chase, but T. Higgins had a big day yesterday. And here we are. That's not even our biggest concern. We're talking about guys throwing the ball. But we know the biggest detriment to the team was the fact that Joe Burrow ran for nearly 100 yards against the Steelers two weeks ago. Joe Herbert, Herbert. 
What did I say? Joe, Joe Burrow. Burrow. Sorry, yeah. Joe Joe Herb or Justin, Justin Herbert. Herbert. Sorry, ran the ball for nearly 100 yards as a quarterback. Not Lamar Jackson. This is just Justin Herbert we're talking about. Joe Mixon had 160 yards on the ground against the Steelers yesterday. That doesn't happen if you're the Pittsburgh Steelers and this is the run defense that you pride yourself so much on. Not just in the past couple of years or so, but in your entire franchise's history, that's what you base your identity on. And it is so far away from that that this team is almost unrecognizable. It is not much better on the opposite side of the football as far as the Steelers' rushing offense is concerned. The Bengals have one of the best rushing defenses in the NFL, but you know if you're the Pittsburgh Steelers, you can't really pay attention to that because your identity has to be through Najee Harris, has to be through the running game. And, you know, in the winless streak that they've had, tying the Lions, losing to the Chargers, losing to the Bengals, They've gotten away from that identity. Mm -hmm. They ran the ball 15 times against Cincinnati for 51 yards, a 3.4 yards per gain average. Najee had eight carries for 23 yards. Kalen Balazs had three carries for 21 yards, averaged seven yards per carry, but eight carries for Najee Harris. And then you look at the passing game, and he only had five targets, three catches for 14 yards. I said on an episode we did on Friday, even if he can't get things going on the ground because the Bengals' rush defense is so stout, you got to get him involved in the passing game. You got to get number 22 the ball. You got to get him out in some space, let him make some plays. Najee was almost invisible in that game against the Bengals. I mean, I barely remember him. And then there was early in the game when it was like first and 15 and the Steelers decided to run the ball, but they did it with Benny Snell. And it was like in the first quarter, so like right, there's no excuse. He's not. There's tired no way he's tired. Point. There's no way he's tired. Maybe he got a little dinged up on a play earlier, and that's fair. But my God, man, you have to be able to run the ball if you want to win these football games. If you're these Pittsburgh Steelers, and they've not only been unsuccessful at doing it the past couple of weeks, but I mean, the Chargers game and the Bengals game, they've just given up. They've just decided we're not going to try. Now you've been down in both of those games, so. A lot of NFL coaches will tell you, well, you can't really stick with your game plan running the football if you're down in this football game because you got to pass your way back into it. And that's fair to an extent, but I don't think you should abandon your greatest weapon on offense just because the other team has scored some points. I mean, I think I recall hearing the names of Benny Snell, Anthony McFarlane, and Kalen Balaj more often than I remember hearing Najee Harris. Well, he had eight carries, and those Balazs. three had seven. So, Oh. They oh, were basically okay, okay, okay. equal, so you're not wrong saying that. They they basically had the group of three behind him and Najee basically split carries in the game against the Bengals. When you think about it, it's disgusting, just the, that figure. But when you take a step back and you look at it and you really think about it, that means Najee Harris had seven carries throughout the day. Eight. Eight. Yeah. Okay. That, oh, eight? Oh, that's much, it's better, fine, than, that, it's yeah, much it's better than just seven. Yeah, don't. Come on. They They ran the ball. It's fine. The fact that this kid, who we had said on this show and, and many other Steelers show around us, have said that he was the best physical talent coming out of the draft this year, and you're giving him the ball seven times, Tom, in a whole 60 minutes, is just... It's malpractice. It's malpractice. It's malpractice. Yeah. Now, the Bengals don't see the run as much as anybody in the NFL defensively. Opponents coming into the Steelers game only ran the ball on 37% of their snaps against this Bengals defense. So it's a good rush defense, 
and teams choose to just stay away from even trying to play into their strength as a run defense. But again, I go back to what I said just a couple minutes ago. When you're the Steelers in 2021, you cannot outsmart yourself. You cannot worry about what the other team's strengths are. You're not a good enough football team. Uh, you're not a well-rounded enough mm-hmm. football team to say, well, this team's good against the run, so this week we're going to pass. And then mm-hmm. the next week, well, this team's really good against the pass, so we're going to run. you got to run no matter what. There's, there's no world where you can throw the ball 50-plus times and still come away with a win. That, those days of Big Ben doing that are about three years too old. He needs a solid running game to get his game going. And I know everybody's going to say, well, you know, the L.A. Chargers game, Ben threw for almost 300 yards. He had three touchdowns, and they really didn't commit to the run all that great in that game. That's one game. Uh-huh. Those games are going to be the outlier for Ben as he's older now as opposed to the game that you saw him play against the Bengals. That's more what you're going to see when you don't have any threat of running the football. Right for your 39-year-old quarterback. Will he have some games like the Chargers game? Yeah, he will. He's going to the Hall of Fame one day. You know what I mean? Even though he's 39 years old, he can still turn the clock back for a game or for a couple games a season. But for the most part, if you can't establish a run, if you can't have balance on the offense, you're going to see what you saw out of Big Ben. Two interceptions, you know, struggling to get the ball to his playmaking receivers. Yeah, he had a couple deep balls to Chase Claypool, but then he was let down by Chase Claypool a couple times. And those came in garbage time. So, like, so like, you can't just go, all right, Ben, roll the ball out. You have no threat of the run. The Bengals know you're going to pass the ball. And you know what? Even if you were going to run the ball, they're not scared of it right now because they're stuffing it every time. Like, like that is making Ben play with one arm tied behind his back at his advanced age right now. And right. it's, he it's not, it's not winning football tied behind his back just because of he's uh, of his old age. And then you're just limiting him to one half of an offense saying, we know you don't have the arm strength of Joe Burrow or Justin Herbert, but we, we're going to need you to throw the ball as often as they are. And not even just as often, but just, I guess I shouldn't say as often because those guys were able to run the ball able to use a running game so even more so than them and not even acknowledge the other half to your game that could be useful to you one decision that i want to touch on that was a little puzzling to me was when the pittsburgh steelers had the ball on their own 34 yard line they're down 24 to 3 this is late in the second quarter and fourth and one and tomlin decides to trot out the punt team now, I get it, you're on your own 34-yard line, but how much worse can it really get when you give the Bengals the ball with good field position? Like, they're already up 24-3. to You need to get as many points on the board as you possibly can. If the Steelers get that first down and then drive down the field off the momentum of that big fourth down conversion on your own side of the field and score a touchdown and it's 24-10 to and you kick the ball back to the Bengals and you just got to kind of hold until halftime and go into halftime at 24-10, guess what? You're getting the ball back to start the second half. I mean, it's a football game now. If you can just make it that two-score game and you're afraid to get one yard. And I get that it's a lot more daunting when you're on your own 34 than the opponent's 34 to get that one yard. But when it's 24-3 to and the Bengals' offense is not stopping and your offense isn't getting much going— right. Get that yard. Get a nice win for your offense. Get the guys feeling juiced about it. Like, big fourth down conversion. Crowd's going to be fired up. We'll shut them up if we get this yard. 
and then let's try to put some points on the board and build off of that for the rest of this drive. But instead, you decide to punt the ball away from the Bengals. Of so course. Here's, here's, so here's the thing about that, Tom. They were going to score, though, until Minka made the interception. That next drive was the Minka interception play. So I don't know if – and we all remember what happened. What, a play after or two plays after that Minka interception? What was, was the, was the Mike six? Hilton pick six. Even if they get that fourth down – you're saying they go down the field, even kick a field goal, make it 24-6. That's, that's me. I think that's, it's asking for it's a It's asking lot. for a lot and the way they were playing the football game. But I'm, I'm just trying to play the what-if game here. Sure. And, no, I totally and understand. see if you can get a spark from that a little bit. They they needed a spark desperately. I thought maybe that could do it. interception was a spark. A turnover for the first time all game. <laughs> At first, I thought he was going to take it to the house. A too. turnover by Minka Fitzpatrick, of all people, the one guy you've been kind of disappointed by is a lack of playmaking or, or splash plays on defense this year. I thought that was going to be the spark, and then two plays later, one play later, it was Mike Hilton. Mike Hilton picked six. It does stink that the the Minka first interception of the season is in a game that's just going to be forgotten now because it it does. The only way that it would have mattered is if he did in fact take it to the house after that. Like remember back to last year when it was Cleveland on the road against Pittsburgh and Minka was making plays, but none of those big splash plays, and everyone was asking. What, where is Minka Fitzpatrick? I get that people don't want to throw him the ball in his area, but where is he? He should be making plays. Pick six to the house. That was not only a momentum changer, but that was a solidifying, we're not going to lose this game. Oh, and then they went on to just kick their ass the right, entire exactly. game. That's what those kind of spark plays can do for you. And that's why Minka Fitzpatrick has been so valuable for the past couple of years because he brings you that spark on defense. And... He certainly tried to in this game. And it was a great interception. The, the, oh, he the came distance, flying. The ground he had to yeah. cover in order to make that interception. Only someone like Megan Fitzpatrick could do. Joe Burrow will learn from that. Sure. And know when a safety's as athletic as Minka, can't throw that ball. You can't lob it up. You no. can't give it that much air. Because can't do they're it. Going to have He's going to catch time. up to it, yep. yeah. And he'll learn from that mistake because – I get what Burrow was doing there. Cocky, young quarterback. He's lighting up the Steelers. I can put this ball in the bread basket. But he didn't account for the fact that 39's got the speed to get over there from where he was. He'll learn, and he'll be better. Sure. And Burrow's going to be a really, really good quarterback in the NFL for a long time. But you make that play, and then your offense gives it right back to the Bengals, not just with possession of the football, but to the tune of seven more points on the board. And, of course, it had to be Mike Hilton. And after the game, Mike Hilton said his familiarity with the Steelers and playing against them in practice for the past couple of seasons helped aid him in jumping that route against James Washington for that pick six. Do you believe that? Or do you think that was just him making the comment, kind of making a dig at the Steelers? He has been pretty uh, outgoing as far as his, you know, taunting of the Pittsburgh Steelers, waving at the crowd at Heinz Field after the Week 3 game. So... I wouldn't be surprised if he embellished it a little bit, but either way, it was a really good play by him to jump in front of Washington there. Um, ball that Ben probably shouldn't have thrown, yeah, sure. But, man, the game was so far over at that point anyway. We were kind of just holding on, grasping at straws, hoping they could get some points on the board, and it went the opposite direction, and that really was the death blow when Hilton was able to grab that thing and take it all the way to the house, so... That's that was a, a very humbling moment, I think. That 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 was the moment where I think a lot of Steelers fans sat back and said, This might be the end of an era here. So I was watching that game here in studio working with you. 
And I got a vibe that reminded me a lot of the Cleveland Browns playoff game from last year. I, 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 I know what you mean. I think this felt worse. Yeah, I do too. I think that this was just a thorough ass kicking from start to finish against a team that never kicks your ass. I mean, like I just said, they hadn't beat you three straight times in 31 years. So, yeah, this one tasted a lot worse. And this one tasted like a, oh bleep. This isn't our it's division gonna be, anymore. It's going to be bad. This ain't our AFC North anymore. Yeah. The Ohio teams are coming, and the Cincinnati one is well ahead of schedule. So things are only going to get more uphill, not just for the remainder of this season, but for years to come yep. now for the Steelers as they face off against these monsters like Burrow and Lamar. And poetically enough, after Burrow this week, they get Lamar next week. So yippee Kaye, Things are looking huh. great in Steelers Nation. That's going to do it for this episode of Steelers Standard, though. Thanks for giving it a listen. I know not the best listen ever if you're a Steelers fan right now. It's tough to get that taste out of your mouth. Pretty morbid. It's pretty morbid, but there were a couple positives. So a couple episodes we do working our way through this day's recordings, we'll get to some positives that the Steelers brought to the table. And, hey, still in the AFC hunt. You know, you're still at 500. You could still make your way to the playoffs. The the seventh seed is only 6-5 and five right now, so it's certainly not – a done deal yet but this episode is a done deal and for Jacob Recht I'm Tom Offerman and we'll talk to you guys next time on the Steelers Standard